Welcome to Single Mom Stories with Kelly Travis, a show that brings you stories and conversations about life as a single mom, the mess and the beauty and everything in between. Well, hey there. Welcome to another episode of the Single Mom Stories podcast. I am so happy to be here and I'm so grateful that you are here with me. If you've been with me for a while, thank you so much for hanging out. And if you're new to this podcast, welcome. Hopefully you can binge on previous episodes and get to know what we're trying to do here in terms of creating a community and sharing stories. So on that note, I would love to introduce you to today's guest. Before I do though, just a little reminder. If we're not hanging out, you can hang out with me on Instagram at Single Mom Stories Podcast. And there is a Facebook group for this podcast called Single Mom Stories. Both of those links are in the show notes. We can hang out there and you can stay up to date on all the things. Side note, I'm starting to think about putting together a retreat for this podcast. It would happen sometime in the fall. And it would not be exclusive to single moms. All moms would be welcome because the content and the things we would be doing would be all about just mom. So pay attention to that. That will definitely be in the works in the next couple of months and I'll be talking about it. Okay. So definitely make sure you're hanging out with me somewhere so you don't miss that info. There's also a mailing list you can join on the website at singlemomstories.net. Okay, enough about that. Let's uh, get down to our special guest who, (laughs) let me just tell you, she blew me away. And then after the interview, I talked about her to a handful of people because I was so inspired and awed by her. And you're going to understand why. So I don't want to ruin it. Let me just tell you about her. And then you're going to learn way more about her during the interview. Her name is Genoa Graham or Dr. GNP. She is an international public speaker, an author, a professor, and an adjunct executive team leader. Her 20-year career of combined multinational corporate accounting and consulting experience reflects core values of transparency, integrity, efficiency, and sustainability, resulting in multi-million dollar savings. She owns her own business. She has also recently published a memoir. So you're going to want to check out all of the things. She's the founder of the Educational Debt Cancellation Foundation, as well as Utilitarian Financial Consulting Corporation, two organizations grounded in the pillars of her core values. From household corporations to global corporations, Dr. Graham is committed to helping you save time and money. And oh, by the way, she's also a single mom, a retired single mom, as she puts it. Her son is 27 years old. And uh, I'm not going to say anything else. She's got so much to share about her own journey, including her memoir. And we dive into that at the end going to school with her son when she was younger, what that looked like, being raised by a single mom, the decisions she had to make very early on, 
and her perseverance. So again, inspiring. You're going to get done listening and you're going to go, whoa, I want to meet her. And oh, by the way, I've already talked to her about coming to the retreat to speak. So I'm just going to drop that right there. Okay. I'm going to stop talking. If you love this as much as I did, make sure you tag me or send me a DM and let me know what you thought or think. I love hearing from you. Okay, here we go. Here is Genoa. Well, hello, Dr. Genoa Graham. I am so excited for you to be here on this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's so great to meet you. (laughs) Same. Uh, You're coming to us from Georgia. So we know that it's hot there. I'm in Vegas, so it's starting to just get really hot here. How are you handling that? Are you, do you like the hot weather? Are you used to it? I am used to it now. It's, it's warmer. I'm originally from the Midwest. And so it is quite a change, but yeah, we just went from winter to summer and we just kind of skipped spring altogether. Yeah. You kind of start to miss the seasons. Where in the Midwest are you from? Indiana. Okay. I'm from Michigan originally. So we're neighbors. Where in Indiana are you from? Indianapolis. Okay. I just did a marathon there in November. I love that town. Yes, it's a great place to grow up. Very slow, but not too slow, fast, but not too fast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's not what we're here for. Let's start to talk about you. and, And can you kind of paint us a picture of the beginning of your single parent journey? Yes. So the beginning of my single parent journey, I was the daughter of a single parent myself. Um, It was just me and my brother. We lived in very low income environment and very dangerous environments, kind of moved around as a young person. When I got into my teens, like anybody else, you know, looking for something better, I fell in love early at the tender age of 14. And about a year and a half later, I was expecting our firstborn. And so wanted to continue to go to school Things happened in my life to pull us apart. We had a solid relationship, but, you know, as family gets involved and the world gets involved and you kind of grow up together, we just kind of grew apart. And so I just made the decision that I have to go to college in order to take care of my son and the other party. He was a great guy, but he was older than me, but just didn't have it together. So I just had to do what I had to do. How much older was he than you? He was five years older than me. Okay. So he was in a completely different place in his life. So you grew up in a home, an environment with a single parent. Obviously, there were other challenges. We know the statistics around single parents, single women, Black single parents, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's so many challenges around that. So you were living that. How did your mom respond to you getting pregnant? My mom was a little different. Um, my mom also has some some mental illness challenges and some emotional instability challenges. And I talk about that in my memoir. So um, if you're interested in that, it's called Cyanidation, the Refinement of My Life. And it goes in depth about that. But basically, she just didn't know what to do. And she just kind of froze. Because of her issues, I kind of took a leadership role in the home. And so when I got pregnant, to me, it was just another thing to do. So I have this baby. I need to take care of him. This was my decision. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to raise my baby and do the best that I can. So that was really my mindset 
you know, at 15, 16, which is a little bit rare, but because of the environment that I was in, it kind of prepared me. I was already growing up fast. This was just another avenue to that exponential growth. Yeah, it sounds like you were already parenting yourself at that point. So you were kind of like, okay, well, this is just part of it. (laughs) I got this. So when you say that there were other challenges, obviously the age difference was a factor with you and the father. You finished high school, I assume, or did you get a GED or something like that? I did. I finished high school right after I had my son. I enrolled into like a day adult program where you can finish going to high school. I was in the math science magnet program, but I had to drop out of that program in order to stay in traditional high school. I didn't get to go off to college, you know, for part of the day, like my other peers. So I had to drop out of that program, but I was able to stay in the program, in the regular high school program. And I was even working in the evenings and on the weekends. So I had a pretty, pretty full schedule. What about support? So your mom had her own challenges. You had a a sibling, right? Yes, I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. Maybe you had teachers or other mentors in your life. Was anybody supportive helping you through this? Or did you have judgment on you? What was that like? It was some of everything. So I had judgment, you know, being a teen mom and I was considered smart. So it was like, you're such a smart girl. Why are you making these decisions? And that kind of thing. Um, But I did have a best friend at the time and she was just wonderful. And she was white. So that was a very interesting dynamic, you know, me being black, her being white, and then us being best friends and inseparable. And now I have this baby and she's just, you know, she was auntie. And so (laughs) when we would go out and she would hold them and things of that nature, she would get looks like, you know, what is she doing with that black baby? (laughs) So I had a, a portion of people who were very supportive and then a larger portion that was very judgmental. I had challenges even finishing high school. Because there were teachers that thought I couldn't do the work. I was even dropped from a class because when I came back from um, maternity leave, which is that I had a C-section. So I was out six weeks. My son was born in August, which is like right at the beginning of the school period. So I was dropped from a class. I was, you know, all these other things. But I rose above it and I just continued to, I want to finish high school. I didn't know how I was going to college. A counselor actually found a scholarship for me that I was perfect for. And she literally snatched me out of class and had me do the application. And it was the Dale Davis scholarship. Um, It was a basketball player in Indiana at the time. And I was the first recipient. And because of that scholarship, I was able to go to college. Wow. That's amazing. So does that mean it was paid for? Well, it was a $10,000 scholarship. So it kind of got me in the door. One of the other challenges was I went to a private college, St. Mary the Woods, which at the time I didn't have the financial aid, but I ended up having to take out a lot of loans, but I had no idea how expensive it was, but it had everything I need. I was able to stay on campus. They had a daycare on campus. Yeah. So it worked itself out. One other question before we move into the college years, financially, you were already in a tough position as a family, right? You said low income, really struggling you brought a baby into the world in these circumstances, which a lot of people do. What was that like for you, especially as a teenager? I had to figure things out very quickly because I wanted to stay in school. I really didn't qualify for like food stamps and all of the other free aid. And so I kind of felt like I was punished because I was 
wanting to better myself. But yet at the same time, because I wanted to better myself, I couldn't take advantage of some of the free help that was available. So I literally had to work it out. So I worked while I was in school. I found a very affordable daycare that gave me a discounted rate because I was so young, but I was working two or three jobs at a time and just, you know, God blessed me to be able to find affordable ways to maintain a decent standard of living until I was able to graduate. And in terms of being a mother at that age, what was that like? We just grew up together. You know, we're all teenagers at the time. We think we know everything. We're running the world. And I was, you know, a very good mom, very attentive. My son was very happy, but I in myself had an emotional disorder. Um, I suffered PTSD and didn't know it. And so I had what's called soldier syndrome, where I just power through the day and power through the challenges without really thinking about it. So I'm very goal and task oriented. So as long as I was accomplishing the goal, as long as all things were taken care of, my emotions, my feelings, even my, my health didn't matter. When did you realize that you had that PTSD and the soldier syndrome? I figured I had a problem in my early 20s. In 2008, I moved to Illinois for a while for a job and things just weren't working out. And four years later, I ended up leaving and coming to Georgia, but I kind of felt out of control. I felt all over the place and I ended up seeing a psychiatrist. And through that psychiatrist, I was able to, you know, do some exercises and bring out some of my childhood traumas that were affecting me today, which was also affecting my son because my interactions with him, I would get angry so quickly. I didn't understand him. And I was like, okay, I know something's wrong with me because of what I've been through, but I need to figure out what's wrong with me so I don't damage him. And so through that journey of self-discovery and self-healing and getting healthy, I learned of my PTSD and what types and all of that. Yeah. I imagine you go into detail on that in your memoir. I do. (laughs) Okay. Then I won't pull it out of you here. Everybody's got to read the book. So you're in college. You found a way to get started. You got an incredible opportunity with this scholarship. What was that like? You're living, you're parenting, you're sending them to daycare, much like you were in high school. So you probably were an old pro at it by this point, but obviously it's a different level. So how was that transition for you? The school part was always easy. I was really good at, you know, reading the book, taking the test, getting a schedule down. My challenges in college, of course, because of my PTSD and what I've been through is relationship development. So I had a really hard time trying to make friends and bond, and then letting my son make friends and bond. So you have this group of student moms, you have these group of babies, and we've all got our own schedules. And then we're trying to help each other and babysit for each other and do all this stuff. And it was just, just maddening. Did you have an issue with like trust at that point? Yes, because, you know, by that time, you know, you're in your 20s, As a single young mom, there is a point where it comes to, okay, is it just going to be baby 24 hours a day? So you do try to go out. You do try to stretch your legs. And I just turned into Mama Graham is how people refer to me. It's like I was just mothering everybody. I would go out to party, but then I would end up being the responsible person for everybody. Well, that's what you were growing up. I mean, you were responsible probably for your mom, right? And kind of parenting her. You had that relationship. So it was what you knew. Yeah. I just became the person of 
responsibility. So I really didn't have any wild and crazy young adulthoods. You know, I had my moments here and there, but it was obvious that was not my personality. Right, right. What did you study in college? I studied accounting. Okay. Having a young child at such a young age, you need something stable. And so I had a love for science, but accounting brought me stability. So that's what I went with. Okay. So how old was your son when you graduated college? He was five years old. Five. Okay. And then you took a job in Illinois after that? Actually, no. I got a job in Colorado, but I turned it down because my son wanted a relationship with his father. So I went back home to Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, and got a job there. So I was working a couple jobs. And then I finally landed a career accounting job for an insurance company called Conseco in 2000. And I stayed at that job for eight years. And while I was there in that job, I got my master's while I was there. And then I also pursued my first PhD. Right. I forgot that you have a lot of credentials. Okay. Your master's was in? Management. Management. Okay. And then your first PhD was in? Leadership. Okay. So obviously you're very ambitious. You are very resilient. You've shown your son that. I'm sure he sees that now. Did your son have a relationship with his father during your college years or it started kind of after that? Well, my son had a relationship with his father the whole time. He did. Okay. Yeah, it was just, it was really hit or miss. So when I was in Indiana, he would see either his father or his grandparents like almost every weekend. So he pretty much had a consistent relationship with them. When we moved to Illinois, it was very clear the bond that he had with his dad because he was he was extremely upset when we moved to Illinois, even when we went off to college. And I also speak to that in my memoir. When I went off to college, I went to Terre Haute, Indiana, which is about an hour and a half, which, you know, to a child, that's a different world. And he was very, very upset. So when I graduated college, I went back to Indianapolis and just kind of made that work. But he maintained a constant relationship, either through phone, even when we moved to Illinois, his father would come out to visit, not with me, but, you know, would spend time with his son. So it was pretty, pretty consistent, I would say. Yeah. Did the father support you financially at all? Not at first. He didn't really start supporting financially until I think Andre was age eight. Okay. And that was my mother's doing. So back then your parents can go into the system on your behalf and file for child support for you. I had no idea. I had no idea. It came out of nowhere. Had that thought even crossed your mind? Because you're such an independent, like, I've got this thinker, it it seems to be. So I feel like you're probably like, nope, I'm just going to figure it out on my own. <laughs> well, that was a little bit so... To me, we were a married couple, even though we hadn't, you know, gotten married. My relationship with him, that was my husband. So in my mind, we were going to end up married. So child support just didn't really enter my thought because we're in this together was my mindset. But, you know, young. Yeah. At the beginning, it makes sense. And then eventually it doesn't happen that way. Okay. Well, that's great that he has a relationship with his father and they have that bond and he's been in his life. I love to hear that. Yes. And I'll give a, a testimony. So my son, when he graduated with his master's this past year, his father actually came to the graduation. We're in Florida. He went to Full Sail University and got his master's in MFA. 
So I was excited about that. His father actually shed a tear. I can only speak to this from my own experience. And I feel like as single parents, no matter the relationship we have with the father, we want to see our kids have a relationship because it is an important part of their life if it's healthy, obviously. And for you to be able to experience that despite everything else, that's huge. Yeah, I feel very blessed. And I've always been in a position, like you said, that it's not the child's fault. You know, the parents just have to put their emotions aside and figure out what's best for the child so that the child can have a relationship with both parents. Absolutely. You are a caretaker, obviously. You step into that role very naturally. Is it hard to ask for help or to get support? It is hard to get support. I ask for help very easily. I don't always wait for the answer. If I'm asking, I need it. And if you're not quick to help me, then for whatever reason, you're not going to. And then I just move on. You're like, uh, you have five minutes to answer. And if you don't, I'm, I got it. We're good. Okay. So you moved back to Indianapolis for obvious reasons. So your son could have that relationship. You ended up going to Illinois after that. It didn't last long for mostly your own personal challenges, right? Yes, it was a combination. So we were there from 2008 to 2011. So in that time, my son was in junior high and high school. And so there was a big, I don't know if you remember the term emu. Yes. Yeah. So it's a very dark and very strange culture that was coming up in the in the teenage era. And my son fell into a depression and he was trying to be a football star. And it was just, he was going through a lot emotionally. And then I was going through a lot emotionally. So we just, well, I decided we were just going to come to Georgia and just start over. Okay. So Georgia was the new spot. Was that because of a job opportunity or you knew you had family there or? No, when I first came out here, I had nothing. I had no job. I didn't know I had family down here until after I got here. After I got here, I found I had a cousin who had two younger children. So I connected with her and she's actually, she introduced me to her church and I fell in love with her church. And I've been a member of Heaven's Harvest Ministries ever since. (laughs) Oh, wow. What a great community for you. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like dad probably was somewhat involved, even though there was some distance there. Oh, yes, absolutely. They kept in touch via phone. The father had a job where he drives trucks. And so whenever he was in the Georgia area, he would always stop through and make arrangements to meet his son, spend some time with them. That's great. And then when was the second PhD? (laughs) So the second PhD was more recently, and that was... I was instructed by my pastor, who is now an overseer, Overseer Pulliam. God told him that I was supposed to get a second PhD. And I was like, why? (laughs) But if God said so, that's what we're going to do. And so I got the second PhD in sustainability and leadership. Okay. And so that has opened doors because I have a degree from Georgia. It kind of made conversations and getting into places easier because Georgia has its own culture and they're very self-contained. And so having a degree from Georgia, living in Georgia kind of made those transitions and made those introductions easier. So what are you doing professionally now? So professionally, I'm a consultant, considered a financial consultant, financial project manager. I'm a project-based person who's making myself available to corporations, individuals, and small businesses to help them save money and time. 
Amazing. What do you think 15-ish-year-old Genoa would think about today's version of you? She would be in disbelief. You would have never told me that I would have been an entrepreneur. I mean, I really thought that I was either going to be a scientist or be in corporate America just doing the corporate America thing. I never would have dreamed that I would write a book or have a grown son pursuing his PhD or even doing a podcast. What I love about your story and just who you are as a person is you never stop thinking about your potential. Even though you were 15 or 16 and pregnant, you were like, yeah, this is just part of the experience. I'm still going to be a scientist, still going to be my journey. I just love that because so many people hit these really challenging points in their lives and they're like, it's over. It's over for me. Like all my dreams are over because of this thing. And you just saw it as like a bump in the road. Yes. And I had a very good example. Um, so I have a, a grandmother, my mother's mother, she had 11 kids. And so when they were <laughs> entering, you know, the teenage years, she decided to go to school and become a nurse. And so my thought process was at the time she had about seven of the kids or even more, seven or 10 of the kids in the home. So she can go to nursing school and have six or seven or whatever number of kids in the home. I can figure out what I got going on with just one. Wow. What an amazing role model for you. Is she still around? No, unfortunately, my grandmother passed in 2006. Uh, But she was around for a good part of it. So that's amazing. What would you say some of your biggest challenges were throughout your journey? My biggest challenge was and continues to be relationship development. In my younger years, I could not depend on others. And then now older, it's very challenging for me to be patient and to build those relationships to wait on others because I'm I'm always helping, I'm always giving. But again, I don't always get that reciprocated. And some of that's me just with my impatience and just trying to get things done. But I'm learning to slow down, take my time and build those relationships and check in. So I'm doing more checking in asking people how they're doing, actually listening to the answer when I ask that question. (laughs) (laughs) It's an important piece of that. (laughs) Yes. And then just reaching out just to say hi, you know, and not always having an agenda or a goal for every interaction. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense for you at the time when you were younger, it was survival instinct. Like I just have to figure this out on my own. And it's hard to shed those narratives when you're older and you've been living that. So I imagine that's difficult. Has that made like intimate relationships also challenging for you? Or have you just been like, I got to work on my career and my son and I'm not going to worry about this? Well, I do try to get in some, some romantic avenues if I can. What I find is because I'm so educated and I'm so no nonsense, I attract people who are just interested in a physical relationship and I'm not interested in that. So Unless you're in it for the long haul or you're marriage-minded, I just don't deal with you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you don't have time for that. Okay, so we know your biggest challenge. What would you say are some of your favorite memories with you and your son? He's 27 now, so you have plenty. My favorite memories, some of them are more recent. My son is a charmer. Oh my goodness. He's always had the biggest smile. He's always had the best belly laugh. 
So now as an adult, I see him interacting and the way he conversates. I'm like, you're just such a man now. It's great. As a kid, he would just light up. He likes what he likes. But once I got him to try something new and he liked that, it was just world changing. And what is it like today? Because he's an adult now. He's not in the house anymore, right? No, no. My eagle has left. Yeah. And you guys have had this bond, I'm sure, with him, you know, being the two of you for so long. What is that like? Just kind of watching him fly. I'm sure you're proud, obviously. Yes, I'm very proud. We actually still go to the same church. I get to see him every Thursday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. He also plays several instruments and speaks several languages. So he also gets to perform that at the church. So to see him progress and to see him speak, especially in the other languages under a public setting, it's just phenomenal. Like you would have never told me that at 15 being pregnant, that I would give birth to a son who is so full of life and so full of talent and so full of promise. Like I just, I was just trying to get him here safely. And now to see him do that. Wow. And so is he looking for jobs now since he, or he's still in school working on a master's? Well, he's done with his master's. He's actually started his doctoral program, but he is looking for jobs. Um, The job market is just different now. It's different for everybody. And so, you know, he's working here and there on different things, but he's definitely looking for his career. He's in strategic marketing. So yeah, he's an artist. Okay. So proud mama. So let's talk about you raised a son for 27 years. He's flown the nest. He's been a huge part of your priority. What are you focusing on? What's next for Genoa? Um, So what's next for me is community. So I've always been seen as a community leader. So I'm using my memoir as a talking point to have discussions around Georgia and anywhere else if anybody wants to book me about the issues that I talk about. So I talk about a lot of home issues mental health issues, parenting issues, and even corporate America issues. So just having open conversations about that. And then there are other projects down the pipe with that. So just a lot of community work for me. Can we talk about one or two of those, maybe the parenting and the home issues? So parenting issues, obviously being a single mother, time management is extremely important. Also monitoring and protecting your child. So who you have them around, even the music that you listen to. And when my son was very, very young, he didn't speak a whole lot. So I ended up taking him to a speech therapist just to see if there was a problem. And it was his mind worked faster than his mouth. So he didn't speak because by the time the words went to come out of his mouth, he was on to the next thought. But music has always been a very big part of our family. And so one time I was listening, you know, to Busta Rhymes and all these rap R&B people. And out of nowhere, he started singing the songs. And I'm like, hmm, I need to change what he's listening to if I don't want to hear him singing singing at me. So, you know, so you have to make those choices. And it's those kind of things, because especially when you're younger, you don't really think about what you expose yourself to because you're so busy experiencing. But once you become a parent, you no longer immerse yourself in your experiences. You have to focus on the experiences of your child. And so we talk about those things. And I talk about 
things that I was successful at and things that I, you know, failed at because my parenting journey was not perfect at all. But he's alive. Yeah, yeah. He's had his own successes, wildly successful from the perspective of a lot of people. What would you attribute that to from a parenting perspective? Is it that you had conversations with him, like you're saying, or? Yes. So a combination of conversations and making him understand that he does not have to face his challenges alone. Because as a, as a child, even we experience this ourselves, we don't want to tell our parents everything. And my position was, okay, something's affecting you. You don't want to talk to me about it. Okay, find another person to talk to it about. Either get a therapist, talk to a teacher, coach, whatever the case may be, but get it out and talk about it so that we can help you. That was very successful when he was younger, but young men need to be raised by men to know how to be a man. And so once we got into those 13, 14, 15 years, and I could tell the wall of listening to mom was closing. (laughs) That's where church came in for me because we moved here to Georgia his senior year of high school, if you can imagine that, leaving one high school and going to another one. That was not a good time for us. Mm, He did not like that. But having a church led by a man who was a family man and a successful man gave him a mentor to look up to. And part of my son's challenge, I'm an accountant. All I know is business. He's on the artistic side. So he likes animation. He loves music, all that kind of stuff. I didn't have an example for him to follow, for him to follow his passion. So getting him around men who were wanting the same goals and wanting to be the same type of person in community and society made all the difference. Like, I know he's literally pursuing what he's pursuing now and doing the things because he has men to look up to and men to counsel with. Yeah, I think that is a big challenge as a single parent is making sure there are other adults in our children's lives and exposing them to different personalities and experiences. You know, I have two little boys and I'm constantly thinking about that. Like, okay, where are the men in their life? (laughs) Like we need some more positive role models in this area. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to figure it all out ourselves, right? Like it's me, it's all on me. I have to know. I mean, we raise our kids with help and it's not something we can do alone. And, you know, your experience, especially bringing the church community into it speaks to that so much. Yeah. And don't discount the other parent. Even if the other parent is not, quote, the ideal role model of what we would want our child to be, we still pick them as a partner and we created a person with them. So half of their DNA is that other person. So the more your child can understand where the other half of the DNA comes from, then they can make better choices. I love that. Okay. One more from the book. I don't, you get to pick. Oh, so let's talk about corporate America. Okay. Yeah. So corporate America is a funny little thing. People need to understand that the corporation does not care about you. They don't care about your feelings. They don't care about what's going on in your home. And the sooner you figure that out and be okay with that, the better you'll be. Because of the things that I had gone through, I was not prepared, nor did I have a mentor that could guide me through the corporate America experience. I thought that if I just worked, I did a good job, I would 
be okay and get promotions and roll up the ladder and do everything, you know, how they, they show you in the movies and show you in the books. And it's not like that. So I had two experiences where I was, promises were made to me based on my performance. And then because of corporate downsizing or corporate major changes, those opportunities went away. And so I was left with, okay, now what do I do? So I have this advanced degree, but I can't capitalize on it because there's no opportunities at this organization. And so do I leave the organization? If I do leave, where do I go? I had no mentor. So as you're getting degrees and you're bettering yourself and you're positioning for that next level, you really need to have a mentor around you that can show you the ropes and give you those opportunities so that once you're ready for those next steps, they're actually available. Yeah, it's a funny world in corporate. And then you consider gender and race and political stuff and everything else. And it's messy. Mm -hmm. So you're all out on your own now. And that has to feel very good. It is more work. So you have to pick your battles. You know, you can stay in corporate and do what I call the corporate hunger games, or you could be out on your own. But You have to be the salesperson. You're everything. You're the be all and the face of the company until you can work, you know, out some sales team that can can market yourself for you. Yeah, absolutely. Genoa, was there anything we didn't touch on that you feel is important we share before we close? Um, uh, We didn't talk a whole lot about the mental health piece, even though it is very important. So don't ignore you know, when you're not feeling good and whether you have a spiritual aspect of yourself or not, for me, spirituality was very important. And it helped me understand the difference between something that was a real medical problem versus something that was just in me that I needed to work on. So recognize whatever it is that's wrong and address it. Absolutely. I can speak to that. Over the last year, I have a history of depression and this last year really kicked my butt and I could tell I was really, really kind of going down that spiral and I found a new therapist and I started doing that. Like we cannot be shy about those things, especially when we're trying to parent our little ones and trying to show up in all these different ways. So thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome because parents that have issues with emotional stability have children have issues with emotional instability. 100%. Thank you so much. This has been amazing and wonderful. And I'm so inspired by you, the little Genoa, all the way to who you are now. Your story is incredible. And I'm so excited for you, for your son, the impact you're going to continue to make in your community. Thank you for giving us your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've had a blast and I look forward to you helping more parents and sharing as much as you can with your story. Thank you. We'll make sure to put the link for the book and any other links to Genoa in the show notes as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 